Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our our friend, our coach, mentor, tormentor, John Opaluski. John, how are you doing today? Jim, I'm doing good. It's always good to spend time with you, even though we're separated by distance. We're uh, we're recording by uh, Zoom today, but it's great to see you. Yeah, one day closer, right? That's right. <laughs> one day closer, like ah, be quiet. Yeah, right on. Well, I'm 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 grateful for the technology that allows us to continue these conversations. People depend right. on me. Look forward to them. I think that there was a season where leaders needed to clear a clarion call. You know, to focus. To, to Christ, to the Holy Spirit, uh, to leadership principles that are unchanging despite the changing circumstances. Now's that time, you know? Yes. So thank you for being here. This is episode number 63, which is shocking. I was just episode 52 celebrating a year, you know, yesterday, and here we are into the first quarter. So tell us a little bit about today's uh, topic. Where are we going from here? So Jim, I'd like us to talk about the subject of thinking your way to a better life. Uh, thinking your way to being a better leader. Um, the way we think impacts our leadership influence and, and our trajectory. Yeah. Uh, in, in my uh, latest book, Unshakable Leader, The Simple Yet Amazing Power of Alignment, we devote an entire chapter to this, uh, yeah. to the power of our thoughts and the emotions we attach to them. Yeah. And and Jim, I feel like if there is any time in my lifetime where thinking accurately and how I feel about what I'm thinking matters, it's now. Yeah. Uh, I, I've never seen the need for it more in my own personal life right. because the battle is real. Um, and so I thought it would be good for us to talk about that today, to unpack some of that today. Give me some thoughts on that subject. What do you think? Well, about I, I know you've talked about like self-talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. How, how, how you see you and how you see you in the world is, is a big deal. I, if, if I'm so stupid and this is never going to work, everything I try fails, we'll, we'll miss, you know, even though God's pitching balls at us, we won't even try to swing. We just assume it's over with before it starts. So I think, I think having clarity, what's that saying when all about you lose their cool and you keep your, lose their head and you keep your head. I forget who said that, but that's really what a leader is. A leader is mm-hmm. someone that says, follow me. And in order to say that legitimately, you have to have some idea where you're going. So to have a clear mind, to have a clear foundation, a clear mindset um, during this time, I think it will improve. I think people think that, you know, I got half my people at church. If we're meeting at all, things are falling Mm -hmm. apart. I don't think they are. I think think what may be happening that we we don't see quite yet is that uh, what the world calls market share. I think if you're keeping your head and your voice is clear, is consistent and people discover that you as a leader are leading them in the right direction, you're increasing your influence as a leader. It's not being yes. decreased. It's being increased. We just can't get together yet. So we're not quantifying it right. the same way. So I, I agree. I think getting our head screwed on straight, like my old man used to say, get your head screwed on straight. I think we get our head screwed on straight. Uh, a straight life can come out of that for sure. Yeah. And so the good, I, I think the big question today, Jim, is how do we get there? You know, yeah. how do we integrate our, our thinking and our, emotions how how do we um how do we do that in a way that brings a full emotional cup to the leadership party uh because look you and i can't pour from an empty cup 
Right. And, and it's not, it's, we can't, actually we could pour from an empty cup, but it wouldn't <laughs> be things that we would want to pour out of there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how you do that, how do you bring a full emotional cup to the people you're leading and, and caring for? Romans 12, two kind of gives us a starter. It, Paul yeah, says huge. there, uh, to, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed uh, yeah. by the renewing of your mind. One of my favorite verses of scripture. Yeah. And I think what Paul is saying there is the way we think and how we feel about the way we think impacts us and not just us, it impacts those around us Absolutely. on every level and it impacts our leadership. You know, what we think about, uh, here's, a, here's something I'm gonna say, I wonder what you think about this one, Jim. Uh, what we think and feel about God, ourselves and other people, determines in many ways the degree of health and fruitfulness we experience in leading absolutely our family our team our business yeah. or the church that god's called us to pastor what do you think about that i i absolutely i i think a discouraged leader is not at all uncommon i, I see mm -hmm. jesus sweating drops of blood i see moses saying god why don't you just kill me rather than make me lead these people one more time david despaired of life paul despaired of life I don't think they want to die. They just don't want to live this way. So if you're a leader that's discouraged, please don't. That doesn't mean you're failing. But now the question is, how did Moses get out of that? How did Paul right. get out of that? So the same guy that says, I'm despairing of life. I'm pressed on every side. I'm, I'm, I'm crushed, but I'm not abandoned. I'm pressed down, but I'm not destroyed. He, you know, he's also the one that said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. And, and that, that is probably, I don't know this, but that's probably written in a prison cell. <laughs> if I know Paul, that yeah. letter was probably written in a prison cell. Uh, I've been in the in the this prison cell in Rome that, it, that he was taken from for execution, where he wrote Second Timothy, and Philippians, where he writes, "Rejoice in the Lord always." I mean, it, it almost sounds, it almost sounds like it's untrue. Uh, you know, I'm not feeling good today. Oh, don't say that, brother. That's a mm. lack of faith. But I I think there is a balance in that where being transformed by the renewing of my mind means my mind has to say I have something more true for it to chew on than the realities of my life. I need something go. beyond my pain or beyond my confusion or beyond yeah. my despair to hold on to. And so I, you know, David encourages himself in the Lord because all of his buddies wanted to kill him and his, his family had been stolen from him. And it was, so he, all he had left was God. And we find out when he comes out of the tent, he had a plan, he had a direction, people followed him. He got everything back that was lost. Not, not right. a single hair on anybody's head was harmed. And it's because he, instead of saying, well, then forget it, forget all you guys, forget God, forget. He, he said he went in his tent, so God, it's me and you. I, I'm going to be honest with you. This is awful. What can you do for me? And he yeah. grabbed onto something that was, that was greater than the storm that he was in and was able to calm the storm. I, I, this, it, the battle, I mean, Joyce Myers, right? The battlefield of the mind, probably one of the mm. greatest all-time sellers. You better get a hold of those running, rambling, rampant thoughts because if right. you don't, they'll destroy you body, soul, and spirit. You know, who is giving you that thought? If it isn't God, then who gave it to you? Where is it coming yeah. from? What fruit does it produce? So, yeah, and it's and it's interesting to me. You think if you really unpacked the each of those stories, you know Moses and Paul and David in their moments of despair, and, and many others, the turnaround, the pivot came with a new thought. Yes, I, with with a God again. with say a God. Again, thought. Somebody's taking a shower right now, or somebody just turned left. Somebody just took a drink out of their coffee and missed that. Say say that again. So the the turnaround or the pivot point for King David and Paul and Moses and others in scripture who were 
feeling as though it was all over with came with a new thought. It started yeah. with a new thought, a new way of thinking, a, a, a God thought. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where I'd like us to go in the first part of this today, Jim, is to talk about thoughts, our thought yeah. patterns. Um, you know, can we, how do we get our minds renewed as Paul advised us yeah. in Romans 12? And then how do we get our emotions aligned to that? Yeah. Um, and so I'd like to try to unpack uh, at least that first one today. We'll see how, how much time it takes us. Maybe yeah. we'll turn this into pod 63 and 64. Yeah. Um, but here's the first one, and that is to position our thought patterns with the truth. Yeah. Whatsoever things are true, right? Think about Correct. these things. Whatsoever things are true. Yeah. Yeah. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Paul, Paul also, now he didn't write this from prison, but yeah. um, he wrote these words. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. This is 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Yeah. And we take, this blows my mind, every thought captive yeah. and make it obedient to Christ. <clears throat> yeah. So Jim, uh, I wonder, is it okay if we do a little Bible study on the pod today? Do it, uh, man. Just a little bit uh, and try to break this out. Uh, there's three key words in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. The word arguments, mm -hmm. the word pretension, and the word thought. Yeah. An argument in the Greek construction there, Jim, it's very interesting, at least to me. I, I don't know if it'll be interesting to anybody else, but it's this <laughs> idea of accumulated thoughts. Right. And, and it speaks to attitude. You know, yeah. Attitudes are, are an accumulation, really, of thoughts, which over time take up residence in our mind. So Paul, when Paul talks about arguments, it, he's really talking about attitudes yeah. that we've constructed over a length of time. Yeah. The, the uh, word pretension is a thought of human origin that gets in the way of knowing God accurately. Right. It pretends to be true. That's a pretension. Got it. Something that pretends to be true. That, you, yeah. Yeah, that's even a better way to say it. And, and we've already said this a little bit, but I want to say it again. The way we think about God significantly impacts the way we think about everything else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Including how to lead. Yeah. And then that third word is the word thought. And, and the idea in the Greek language there is a thought pattern. Mm -hmm. It's a pattern of thinking. And Paul says we want to take every, pa every yeah. pattern <laughs> of thinking and make it obedient to Christ. And so here's a, here's a statement I read. I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Jim. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading a, a new book. And uh, it is just blowing my mind. It's so good. It's called, and I don't think it's okay. If, it's okay if I mention it, right? On, on here. I think so, yeah. It's uh, The Perfect You by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Yeah. Amazing book. And in it, uh, a gentleman named B.H. Lipton said this, every thought changes the brain chemistry, which impacts all 75 to 100 trillion cells of our body at quantum speeds. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I read that, Jim, and I, I just thought this might be the punchline of the whole book for me. Maybe I don't have to read the rest of the book. But <laughs> what do you think about the, the power of a single thought to do that? Do you I, think I, that's I, overstated, Jim? You think he's. No, he's, no, no. I, well, again, I, it's not just a, it's not a philosophy, it's not psychology, it's actually physiology. Yes. This is, this is proven to be true that our, our mind, 
is something that is separate from our physical brain. That the thoughts we choose to think with our mind actually affect the, the neuron paths, the basal ganglia, the, you know, that, that becomes our physical reality. So if somebody says, I don't know if that's true or not, well then be standing out in the peaceful woods, watching the, the sunrise, the birds are singing, your mind is doing something, your body's doing something. And then all of a sudden out of the corner of your eye, you see a bear charging at you. That, that realization of that thought is going to change your entire physiology. Adrenaline, uh, I, I, I see, you know, everything's are going to start blowing up in your brain. There's going to, I mean, you're going to be a superhuman for about 15 seconds. You can run, climb, jump, fight a bear, and you were at total peace 15 seconds ago. You're under a bear stabbing it in the face, you know, with, with, your, with your knife 15 seconds later. That, that is, I know that's an extreme example, but it's also true in all the small examples. I, you know this, I know this. If I get frustrated enough, my blood pressure goes up, my, my blood sugar rises up, uh, my exhaustion level, my, you know, I get overwhelmed, I, whatever. So physiologically, our, our minds give our brains physical uh, orders. Mm -hmm. So if we, when Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat in Mark chapter four and the disciples are all freaking out, they're, they're facing that with something different. Jesus is relaxed enough in a, in a storm that fishermen knew was going to kill them to sleep, to rest, to be at mm -hmm. peace. And they were not because he saw it differently. He saw it as this isn't from God. Um, it, you know, he gets up, he rebukes it because it's not from God. The storm in a fallen world is a storm in a fallen world, but it's not, it's not God sent the storm. Well, no, God won't waste the storm. They're going to learn something from it, but God didn't send the storm. So he, he tells it to be quiet. He rebukes it actually is the, the phrase there. He rebukes the storm, yeah. the wind and the waves. So we know it's not from God because he wasn't rebuking his father. He was rebuking mm -hmm. a storm that wasn't sent by his father. So in that, in that mindset, he, he just faced it very differently. If you were to take, you know, blood chemical levels, and EKGs and blood pressures immediately, you find out that physiologically the disciples were, were heading in a very different direction than Jesus was because, because of the way he faced it. He had something in his head, in his heart, you know, his mind had positioned his brain for the miraculous and right. he faced it differently. And Jim, I, I feel like this has such an important uh, impact on leaders. Yeah. You know, how we think as leaders matters. It, yep. it really, truly matters. What we think about day to day, moment by moment, not only impacts our physiology in its entirety, it also impacts our family. It impacts yeah. our marriage. It impacts yeah. uh, the people we lead. Uh, and, and it does it. I think people take our cues, Jim, from how we think. Yeah. Uh, many, many times, not all, our, not all of people, but in general, People will follow their leader, not necessarily what he or she says. I think maybe even more what he or she thinks. And yeah. people pick up on that and they follow what's yeah. going on inside of your noggin. Yeah. They tend to follow that more than what comes out of yeah. your mouth. You know, back, back to, I, I'm, a, I'm a science geek, and I, especially anatomy and physiology. So the, the deepest part of the brain is known as the limbic brain. And it's the one that makes the earliest choice whether or not I trust you, I don't trust you, I like you, I don't like you. We've all had the experience where someone approaches us and as a salesperson says, can I help you? And we say, yeah, I'm looking for a, and the next person's going to help you? Uh, no, I'm fine. I'm just looking. And we, even though the limbic brain makes those early decisions, it lacks the ability to communicate. So it, it doesn't have language for its decision. It has to, it's, it's being made very rapidly. So, mm -hmm. so when someone says, you know, I, I like that guy. Someone goes, I don't know, it's got a weird feeling. That's the limbic brain. So when, when we have pre-determined uh, 
our reflexes to, to be upon the word of God. For example, whatever comes our way, it has to go through the filter where we're going to take that thought captive. We're going to force it into a position of obedience. So it goes no farther in my, in my physiology in my physical brain than, than a poison could after it hits my physical liver. It's the purpose of my mind is to separate truth from fiction. It's Mm. to take uh, things that are pretending to be true and say, you're not true. There's not a boogeyman under my bed. We learned that as a child. Uh, my daddy is coming home from work today. We learned that as a child. I can trust you. We learned as a child. And as you move into to, to leadership, if we can trust that there's no boogeyman under our bed, that daddy's got us and we're yeah. okay, people will see the calmness in us. And even though they can't express with words why they're following us because of the limbic brain, again, they know what peace looks like. They're, the yes. deepest part of our physiology knows who's at peace and who's not, who's scared and who's not. But we're programmed. If you look at a child, when you walk into a room, a child that's healthy, de- developing, they're right with their parent and a stranger walks in, the child will make eye contact with the stranger and make eye contact with their parent to find out if they're okay. Yeah. And then they'll look back and the, and the parent's like, hi, they'll look back and they'll smile, hi. And the parent's like, ooh, that's a bad man. They'll, they'll look back and they're scared. They're, they take their cues from their leader. And I yeah. think the same is true today, that people, if we as leaders are looking at God and then people look at us, they'll see that we're okay. Yeah. That, that the circumstance is not bigger than our God. And so you think about that, Jim, just that calmness yeah. that comes uh, from truth, from right thinking, yeah. and the impact that has on the people we're leading. Listen, Huge. more than any time ever, ever, the people you lead, whether it's in your home or in a business or in a church, need you to show calm, yeah. need you to show a less anxious version of yourself. So our responsibilities as leaders is to take destructive attitudes or thoughts that percolate on the inside of us that want to assert themselves and subject them to the truth of God's word and whatever doesn't line up with the truth out it goes and can I I know our time's running short but I think there's another thought here and that is that there's a peace that doesn't need an explanation so so well Mm -hmm. when I have all the answers I'll be at peace well there's a peace that passes understanding It, it it is not subject to everything working out is subject to the one who will work out everything according to his good pleasure. Yes. And I think that, again, that's faith, right? Sight is, I see the plan, it's going to work. Yes, we have a bill, but I also have a check that's in the mail. It's all going to work out. But if you can have peace when you have a bill and there's not a check in the mail, mm. that's what faith is. And, yeah. I, and I think that there's a peace that is not subject to information. It's, it's peace in the, in the Prince of Peace. It's, it's yeah. faith in, in the one who's promised that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that he began a good work in us, but carried out to completion. And I think too, this thought I've been thinking about lately where people are, I feel like God's not talking to me. Mm. And I, I, I just coined the phrase the other day, maybe I didn't, but it came to my heart the other day that, that when there's a test, the teacher's silent. When you're being taught, the teacher speaks. But when there's a test, the teacher's silent. And what was the last thing God told you to do? What's the last thing you know that you know that you know? And if some people say, I don't know what God's going to do. Well, then what do you know God said to you in the, in the word of God? And so we're, we're not denying there's issues. We're not denying there's problems. We're not denying we don't have solutions. What we are saying is that above our, our lack, we have someone that has no lack that's on our side. We're on his, and he'll work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So I think it's sincere leadership to stand up in front of our people and say, I, I have no more answers than you do, but this one thing I know, yeah. I have a peace that passes understanding because I have, I have hope, I have faith, I have love. I'm meditating on what's true, not on the, the latest conspiracy theories. I'm, I'm right. meditating on what is righteous and holy and pure and admirable and lovely. And, you know, I, and, and we, when we do that, we get that, right? If, we, right? if we don't do that, we can't get that. 
So Jim, you know, I, we were going to try to f do all of this in one pod, but it looks like we're going to two. Um, so uh, as we wrap this one up, if I could just offer a challenge uh, to those who are listening today, what you think about and how you feel about what you think about impacts you on every level of life, your personal relationships, it influences your professional life, it flavors your leadership. And I want to close with uh, Norman Vincent Peale here. He said this, change your thoughts and you change your world. And as a leader, we appeal to you to think right thoughts about yourself, about God, and about others. Right on. Well, John, thank you for teaching us to think about what we think about. And I think sometimes you almost look at it like it's the rain. It comes, we have no control over it, but it's not. Mm -hmm. There's a spigot. We can turn right. it on and off. We can make it hot or cold. So. Thank you for bringing that to our hearts. I'm sure this has been a challenge to many. And this is one of those days where you're both mentor and tormentor, isn't it? Where you, <laughs> you just call you on the carpet. Stop thinking. Stop your stinking thinking and yeah. put in, your, put in your, your righteous thinking. Yeah. So thank you for that. As always, if, hey, thanks, John, for that. That's true. But I, I don't know how to operate. I don't, I don't know how to get started. How can we continue the conversation with you? What do we do? Uh, the best way is just to go to our website, convergecoach.com. Click on the uh, Contact Us button or link. And that starts a... a a process where you can have a free 30 minutes with us just to get know. to know you, to hear you, and see if we can be of help to you in any way. And I just say in closing today, those of you that say, well, John's busy. Well, it's not that bad. Well, it's like, I, well, stop your excuses. Press the button, mm. start the conversation. Um, there's, like I said, there's no cost to it. There's nothing but benefit available to you. This is not a business, this is a ministry, right? There's a there's a business side to all ministries. There's a ministry side to all businesses, but this, the, the purpose of Converge is to help people. Uh, that are in leadership. So let us do what we do and help you do what you do. God bless you. Thanks for listening. And as always, we're praying for you as you continue to lead from a life.